Hello, everyone. Welcome to Weekly Manga Recap. It is the February 14th of 2024, and that means that we are uh, celebrating St. Valentine's Day. So, mm -hmm. everyone, uh, go and find your local beekeeper and thank them for all the work that they do for you. Yeah. Um, actually, uh, my, my perception has been skewed partially by the beekeeper movie, um, which does not kill a single person with bees uh, and also is sort of a veiled takedown of Hunter Biden. Um, so um, I'm just saying, are we going to do all of the saints? Are we going to do like uh, a St. Daniel Day? And then, you know, that's the day where you have to watch out for lions because uh, you'll get fed to them otherwise. Uh, we're going to do... Um, come on, Quinn, you spent so long in Catholic school. Surely you can name more than <laughs> two saints. St. Francis, you talked to a bunch of animals. That's one. Saint... Yeah. I am all the way there with you, Quinn, on all these figures. Margaret. Mm -hmm. There's a St. Margaret somewhere. That's yeah, and uh, they did the important thing. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yep. You've got to do something important or be a saint. See, this, obviously, is the, obviously. This, this is the juxtaposition of my life right now is uh, with Nick, uh, my ignorance of my uh, Catholic upbringing is encouraged and supported. If this were Austin, he'd be chastising me. He's like, how don't you, how, why aren't you, he's, he's right now listening. He's like, why haven't you brought up um, St. Blujebeck? Remember they were uh, drawn and quartered in front of uh, 700 people and their body parts uh, strewn across the world. It was the inspiration for Steel Ball Run. <laughs> like, I don't know. I'm dumb. I'm sorry. Look, all I'm saying is that uh, if uh, they didn't get a holiday named after him, then what do you really need to remember them for? You know? Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I, don't have a, I don't have a holiday named after me. So what's the point? Bruder yeah. brings up a good one. St. Jay Garcia Saturn. <laughs> he sucks ass. So. Yeah. Never heard of him. Yeah. You know <laughs> they can give him a holiday. He doesn't matter. We're going to have to talk about One Piece today so I can pretend I don't know anything about him. <laughs> yeah, now we can go into it and just be like, huh? Kuma what now? I don't, I don't understand, Nick. When's the robot showed up? That sounds like a Japanese word that I don't know the, the meaning of. Why does this guy have bear ears? Yeah. Um... Catholics have feast days for every saint, Black Gundo says. And I just want to note that because that is like a weird, um, like, mind worm into my head. And that growing up Catholic, uh, you had two days that were important to you during the year. One was your birthday, uh, where you got gifts and everything like that. And the second was your feast day. You actually got like whatever food you wanted on your feast day. And it was very cool. Uh, of course, I'm not. <laughs> revealing too much about myself I, I previously went by Chris uh, St. Christopher, not a real saint so <laughs> it was always kind of like with an asterisk <laughs> that day was sort of like we'll give this to you, but I just want you to know not a real saint <laughs> that's kind of like a backhanded thing, isn't it oh uh, yeah, you're named after a saint <laughs> it, it's one of those things where it's like eh, it's kind of like old catholic politics bullshit they're not really sure if what he did were miracles and i'm like all of this is bullshit none of this matters just just make him a saint what are we doing here 
I mean, considering some of the stuff that uh, that saints are the patron saints of, I mean, th- some of those were not like you know things at the time that they were like around. So you might as well just say it's like, oh yeah, sure, you know, uh, you know, uh, Luffy. Luffy's the 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 patron saint of uh, giant robots. He well, should be. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Someone's got to. And what miracles did he perform? Uh, he pushed a zombie back Which down means- into the grave. <laughs> It's kind of like back to death. <laughs> yeah, it's like kind of a reverse bringing the dead back to life in a just way. Follows, just follows Jesus around, <laughs> ruining all of his miracles. People are coming back, and he starts hitting them with the shoe. He's like, "Not on my watch, you don't." Bam, bam, bam. Jesus walks across water, and Luffy has to like grab onto him so that he doesn't drown in the sea. No, pulls him with him. Oh, that's where Saint Christopher would be handy. He crossed a river. That's that was all his other. He carried Christ on his shoulder and crossed a river. And our Savior Jesus, he managed to save dozens uh, to feed dozens and dozens of people with a single loaf of bread. Ha! Not while Luffy's around. Let me tell you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jesus keeps multiplying. He's like, I have been multiplying bread and fucking fish for hours. Where is it going? And you just, you follow the line of him, like, doing it and passing it off to one apostle to the next apostle. Until eventually it just leads into someone dropping it into Luffy's mouth. And he's like, hey, Miracle Boy, keep him coming. Oh, boy. Oh, that is... I mean, Jesus, like, does exist in One Piece, though, doesn't he? Because, like, there is, like, Christianity of some, of a type in that world, isn't there? There, I believe, was a reference to various religions very early on. And there is a Buddha devil fruit. So, and Kuma does read a Bible. Yeah. And Mihawk has all the crosses and stuff, so yeah, there, 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 there must be um, some level of uh, like a little One Piece Jesus running around, and mm. he had, uh, he had like a uh, must be like a carpentry devil fruit. Then I assume, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, that's what he did. Yeah, uh, this is. I mean, like. This is no less uh, a valid theory than One Piece isn't political, so we might as well run with this. Yeah, hold on, Nick. I've got a a video idea. Uh, I just got to get my YouTube face ready. (laughs) You won't believe this theory about One Piece. Jesus is real? One Piece theory confirmed. (laughs) In parentheses by me. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh... I don't know why. You got very Jamaican from me. Like, oh, man. Um, oh, <laughs> time, man. Uh, time to be talking about the manga now. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to go any further with that impression. <laughs> I don't trust myself. <laughs> go, uh, yeah. go watch the Bob Marley movie that's out right now. I heard his family did not approve. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, we do have some manga to talk about this week. We've got a new series that came out. Uh, and there is no My Hero Academia, and there is no One Piece this week. Yes. Uh, One Piece is on a planned break, uh, Horikoshi on an unplanned break. Apparently he hasn't been, his health hasn't been the best recently. Uh, currently, My, My Hero Academia is scheduled to return this coming week, uh, so hopefully 
Orokoshi is getting rest and is going to be fully recovered uh, by that time. Yes. But, uh, in the meantime, we've got other manga to talk about, so yes, I guess we we'll just do that. Yep. Let's start with Undead Unluck, Nick. This is a number 194 of Undead Unluck Beast. Uh, so last time, Beast, uh, UMA Beast has shown up. We uh, we we successfully uh, use the the cr- the crouch jump skip to go right to phase two. Uh, so uh, UMA Beast is sitting there. He is shouted very very loudly and like exploded Haruka's eardrums. I guess it's mm. still not really confirmed what he did because I don't. I believe she has no issues hearing in this chapter. Yeah, she seems to be fine. Uh, like she's tired. Fine. Like she's yeah. tired and hurt. But I don't exactly know what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and Beast is just like, okay, participant count for this contest is three. So who's gonna who's gonna participate? Who's fighting me? Basically, unlock you got to make the call. And he immediately runs up, just fucking hits her with a punch, sends her flying, and he's just like, you and two others, who are you sending? Basically, uh, and everyone who is watching this is like, damn, this guy is strong like he just sent fuko straight into the ground immediately uh fuko calls to apocalypse and is like hey can i do a point transfer without being present at the round table and apocalypse is like "Ooh, you bitch you come up with the craftiest plans but he's also immediately like actually yes this is a very common thing juez did it all the time yeah. <laughs> she, she needed to make sure people didn't suspect the points were for something else basically right. um so fuko's like all right i'm making the call I'm the first person to participate in this. And the last two are going to be it's such a weird setup because this answer doesn't get dropped until like the last page. Um, yeah, yeah. But Beast walks over to Top, who is holding on to Haruka, and he's like, hey, I killed that thing, so I'm going to eat it. Give it to me. And he's like, yeah. what are you, Top's like, what are you talking about? This is a person. People aren't food. And Beast is like, oh, buddy, if it bleeds... It's food. That's the way this whole system works. It was and, a very different version of Predator. Yeah. It was like, if it bleeds, we can eat it. <laughs> <laughs> Gentlemen, get out your ranch. Tonight we hunt Predator. Uh, every the, the little unbreakable dome gets surrounded by creatures of all sorts. And he's, you know, Top's like, wait, what's going on? This is not how these animals normally react. Uh, like, this is something's up. And Beast is like, I'm you and Beast, buddy. You thought it was going to be one on three? Nah, every beast in this whole forest is your opponent right now. And Top grabs everybody and just starts using uh, his speed to get out of there as Beast is laughing. He's like, I thought you liked my rule. Yeah, survival of the fittest. Appreciate this master rule. Uh, Fuko, riding on her flying Nimbus, fires a couple bullets at Beast, who catches them all in his teeth in a kind of terrifying shot. His eyes are like big, very big, narrow. Yeah. Big, jagged teeth. It's a very sc- spooky shot. Yeah. Uh, especially because, of course, it's in the context of Fuku just took a shot at him and you're just like, whatever. Yeah, doesn't and care. It. Uh, and he just says, yeah, we were born to devour you guys. Struggle, suffer, doesn't matter. Coexistent isn't necessary. This world is about survival of the fittest and whoever hunts is the winner. So if you don't want to die on luck, you better start hunting me. Um, 
We cut over. Top has managed to get everybody out of the forest and into the city nearby. And he notes that all the animals have kind of stopped at the forest edge. None of them are going into town. And he's like, all right, I don't really understand why they aren't coming into town, but that must mean maybe they're under What's orders to. Yeah, he's like, look, we figured out apparently if we just run, works out pretty good. Uh, and Haruka is walking away from Top and uh, Julia comes and is like, hey, I'll help support you, basically. You know, I'll give you an arm to stand on. Again, this is where I'm like, her hearing must not be fucked because she thanks her. I guess she just did it for the action. I don't know. Um, and Hark, oh, I know, because she directly responds to Top here. So again, yeah, yeah her ears are not fucked she up. She can hear, yes. Uh, and Top's just like, what are you doing? Like, that guy was crazy powerful. He kicked the shit out of that girl. He's going to kill all of us here. Like, there's no reason to go and do this. Why would you do? You'd have to deal with all the beasts that are like in the way. You would just be throwing your life away. There's no reason to do it. And Haruka says, what other purpose could Unbreakable serve if not to protect the weak? And she summons her Unbreakable armor around her. She is like hidden Julia. Julia. Yeah, Yeah. Inside of it. And she says, if I don't go now, I won't be able to call myself Unbreakable much less human. Uh, so she calls out to, to Fuko, I'm joining the quest too, as Top's kind of watching it. And she just starts like running into the forest, saying, someone please transfer me your seat as she starts getting surrounded by all of these monsters. You know, I should say monsters, they're real animals. <laughs> Uh, but all these, you know, beasts start, you know, grabbing onto her and biting her and all these things. Just, she just uses her armor uh, as Top kind of watches it and kind of clenches his fist. Cut back over. Fuko seemingly has just been getting her shit pushed in. Yeah. Uh, she's bleeding. She's she's going pretty rough. And Beast is just taunting her. He's like, how long are you going to do this alone? Like, you have a real different way of doing things than on justice. It's like. Your unluck can't even be used if you don't like, like the person. So it's not going to do squat against this master rules you have no affection for. Ju has picked the wrong person to do this loop. If only you had unbeast on your side, eh? And Fuko immediately is like, there's no unbeast. <laughs> Stop. That doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make any yeah. sense for there to be an unbeast. <laughs> She's like, look, compared to the number of confirmed UMAs that are out there, the pool of negators is extremely small. And pairs like Jakara's unmove and UMA move or the change that we just saw are very rare. So God treats this world like a game while leaving few our side with few pieces to victory. Your natural enemy is an unbeast. There's no such thing. That's the exact task of the three of us facing you. And it confirms kind of what we started to maybe be interested in before. Like, oh, is there going to be like a vessel for each one? And she's like, no, that doesn't make sense. Like, What's unsummer? Like what? What? What's what's unwinter? You know, if they, if all the seasons exist, what's what's unplatinum? What's uncolored? Like these things just don't make sense. So just kind of the the explanation to all of that. And Fuko shouts out, "I'm calling it again." This is a weird thing because <laughs> she kind of already started to, uh, but she calls out, "Transfer my three hundred of my points to two people. I'm giving them the twelfth and thirteenth seats. The participating members are going to be Fuko Azumo, Unluck." Unbreakable, Shin Yamaoka, and while this is happening, it's again not entirely clear. I may have missed a panel, but I guess Beast can turn into other animals after he eats them. 
there's a panel where his pelt is turning into is like growing snake skin but he, scales. But he's, and it, he's got the snake in his mouth. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't know if he can eat animals and turn into them or what exactly it is. He turns into a giant snake that's about to well, bite Fuko. I guess it makes sense because he is saying, you know, it's eat or be eaten, survival yeah. of the fittest. So it actually makes sense if yes. eating stuff is related to his abilities. Yes. Um, and then uh, the third person is unstoppable. Top bull sparks. Boom. On cue. Top shows up. He's running. He has uh, Shin and Julia inside the armor uh, carried on his back. And he kicks Beast with his unbreakable shoe, calls him a piece of crap. And Beast just smiles. He's like, all right, you heard her, Apocalypse. Those are the three. And Apocalypse's like, yep, accepted. So. I really love that final two-page spread of yes. uh, the weird, huge spinning kick that they do. Uh, it's a very satisfying movement uh, sequence there. Uh, also, it's the second time in the chapter that someone has their foot raised kind of awkwardly. In this panel, that makes sense because he's doing a weird, like, sonic spin attack axe kick uh but then a few pages prior while beast is mocking fuko he's got his leg held up really high so that it could be obscured entirely by a word bubble to save the artist <laughs> a bit of, a bit of trouble. uh so uh, i would do that too if i was an artist i'd be like oh, God, they, they have a weird way of standing oh but the bubble got in the way of seeing it that's oh it shocks oh, that's a shame <sighs> didn't have to draw the foot oh well <laughs> Next time, uh, right? Um, did want to note just for like the fun trivia of it, the twelfth and thirteenth current seats are Engine and Chikara. Uh, so those are the two seats that uh, Shin and Top will be taking over. And the prize for winning this match and then the one against Language, both of them give two seats. Um, but we also know uh, Lotla is not on the council or in the, the table and then Please. Julia and then the four people, the uh, I guess the three other people Unchased, bunny and Tatiana. So uh, there's a lot of empty spaces. Technically also yeah. Ichiko isn't on the council or Nico. Mui's not, not on the council either. Well, Mui's not a negator in this, in this loop. I thought that she was unstoppable in this loop. Top is unstoppable. Untruth. Untruth. Un, 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 it was like uh, undefeatable or something like that. Didn't they say that she had an ability in the uh, in the tournament? I, I'm blanking. I might be forgetting, but they didn't put her in that big spread of all the characters that aren't on a council seat. She just shares the seat with Shen, basically. Yeah. Um, but anyway, there's a, there's a bunch of characters that are technically not on the council or that they need right. more spots for. So it'll be interesting to see. They might not do anything interesting with it, but I just wanted to note that because I was like, yeah. who are the 12th and 13th right now? The book, the bookkeeping at Undead Luck is interesting because it's there, but it doesn't take up a lot of time. So it's well, it's kind of like the perfect amount for a fandom, basically. Like yeah. it doesn't bog down the narrative, but 
you can have conversations like the one we just did. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can go after this podcast is done. I can write my fan fiction where uh, uh, Top and uh, Shin show up and are like, oh, hey, sorry, uh, you know, uh, Chikara and Engine, we took your seats. And they're like, don't worry, we're actually super cool. And then they start having sex with each other, except for Chikara. He's a child. Uh <laughs> Also, I'm not sure how old Top is at this timeline. He is also a child. They just hang out. 17. They just hang out and paint miniatures. Uh, also, I don't know how old Arika is. Basically, Engine just has sex with himself. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know how old Engine is. No one has. No, no. I don't know how old he is. So, no one has sex. Technically, these are all imaginary characters that were introduced less than five years ago. No sex. <laughs> no sex. No one in this series has sex. There is no unsex. Thus, there is no sex in this universe, Nick. This is just a canon rule. Okay. Uh, this is a fun chapter, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, Blue Box. Blue Box, Chapter 136, Go Amei, uh, which uh, features a cutesy maid cover page that has nothing to do with what happens in this chapter. <laughs> uh, last time, Kyo, Kyo was at a convenience store with Ayame. They ran into Kyo's family, uh, and it turns out that there was a girl with them named Saki, uh, who was just going shopping with Kyo's family. And uh, so she says, she, yeah, Kyo introduces her to, to Ayame and says, like, yeah, she's been our neighbor for 16 years. Uh, and Ayame introduces herself like because she's the manager of, of the team. Uh, and they kind of, like, look at each other for a second. And, like, Saki says out loud, oh, the manager. And Ayame says to herself, oh, just a neighbor. You know, so there's kind of this, like, you know, sizing up that they're kind of doing with each other. Uh, and then Saki does the exact same thing that Kyo's little siblings did, which is like, oh, so you're his girlfriend? And uh, th this one actually does get Ayame to react because, you know, it's a teenager assuming it instead of little kids uh, mm -hmm. reacting to a guy and a girl being around each other. Um, so, yeah, Saki's like, oh, yeah, you know, it's just that, like, you know, Kyo never talks about this sort of thing. I thought that maybe he got a girlfriend and stuff. They, they chat a little bit, but Ayame just kind of, like, observes quietly and she thinks to herself I can feel it she's pretending to be totally unfazed but she is so jealous of me this she, is what my womanly intuition is telling me she's she's like I have that catty teenager energy to me that I know that shit's up I, I know when you're playing coy which is great because like either way, like if she's right, though, that's good, tasty drama. But if she's wrong, that's also drama because she's <laughs> operating under the assumption that Saki is has a thing for Kyo and is jealous of her. So uh, but the scene just like ends there. They go like, oh, they're separate ways. And we just cut ahead to like the next day or whatever. Uh, and, you know, Ayame's doing manager stuff. She's fiddling with, you know, uh, the uh, shuttlecock. Sh uh, shuttlecock. Yeah, it's such an interesting word. <laughs> I was so. going to say, come on. It's one of the funnest words to say. Right behind Sakaputas yeah. and then shuttlecock. Uh, and so she's also like, that fucking Kyo is always so he's always surrounded by girls. God damn it. You know, just, so just she's got it bad, really bad now. Just uh -huh. it, it, being around females is getting her on edge. Uh, I, I love it. She's also like, you son of a bitch, just because you're surrounded by beautiful women all goddamn day. 
beautiful women like me. <laughs> um, Chinatsu, meanwhile, is still, you know, attending practice while she her leg is recovering. She's doing the ball handling stuff. Uh, while Akari and her friends walk by, she like she drops the ball and Akari picks it up to give it to her so she doesn't have to get off of her chair. Chinatsu gives her a little smile, goes back to trying to do the, the ball handling practice and stuff. And uh, as they walk away, Akari's friends are talking about like, oh, Chinatsu Senpai is so pretty. If I were her, I'd just be messing around. All right. Uh, but one of them says like, yeah, I heard she doesn't have a boyfriend. And uh, Akari goes, huh, that's weird. Because I, I think I saw a boy carrying her on his back the other day. So. I was about to be so annoyed by this. Um, originally when she did it. Until they reveal when she's like, who was the guy? And she's like, oh, I couldn't see. Because otherwise I'd be like, what a random ass way to be like, oh, retroactively, there was drama to this. <laughs> Until right. she's like, oh, wait, no, I actually I had absolutely no idea who was. Right. It would have definitely been like, oh, she's going to find out about them. And I'd be like, oh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, yeah, she's like, yeah, I couldn't really tell who it was. And they're like, oh, well, I guess it is nice that, you know, like uh, he carried her while she's hurt and stuff. And they're like, oh, he must be strong to do that. Like, yeah, I guess. You know, OK, teenage girls are not that heavy to carry piggyback guys, but OK. Anyway, so um, they <coughs> excuse me. Uh over back with the badminton club again uh, Yusa is uh, angry as always uh, not Yusa, Haruto, he's angry as always and uh, it's because he saw the tournament bracket recently and it turns out that he is going to go up against his older brother in the third round assuming yes. they both make it that far uh, older Yusa does get a first round bye which makes sense, he did very well in the last tournament so so he's just like I've got to you know practice harder. I've got to you know get it good and all that. I'm rooting for you- I'm rooting for Konami uh, Konami Domoto though uh, from Osaki. Uh, mm. I think they're the dark horse in all this. Their character has never been introduced before and are going to have to directly uh, interfere with the uh, Suji to be relevant to the story. But this this seems now Nick. I lost a lot of money by betting a lot of things on more tomato during the Triwizard Tournament or whatever the tournament was in Mashal. So I'm here to make that money back. So I took out a loan. This is a big loan, but I'm putting it all on Kaname Demoto because that's the name of a winner. Just like say it, like listen to it roll off the tongue. Kana- Kaname Demoto. <laughs> I had to look it up. <laughs> I mean, I have to assume that your winnings would be enormous if you did win that, considering that last I checked, Konami is blind. So that's I mean, everyone loves an underdog story. I mean, we just watched the Super Bowl, Nick. That shit was scripted. This is all scripted as well. This is all to give us a feel good story. So, yeah, I think this is a safe bet, uh, which is going to be good because I took this loan from very dangerous people. So, oh, okay. <laughs> actually, I took this loan from the people from the Liar Game. They said if I can't pay it back, I have to enter into a series of very complicated games with weird rules I don't entirely understand. But there's this very cool religious guy who says he'll take me under his wing. I really have high hopes about this guy. I think he has my best interests in mind. 
All you have to do is give him all your, the money you currently have. Yeah, I'm a big dumb dumb, Nick. He's so smart. He's going to get all of us out of the liar game, you said. Absolutely. Uh, Haru is also practicing hard, and uh, he's practicing with Nishida, who's like, geez, this guy is going going for it. He's going really crazy. But I, I do kind of get like how he feels, because three years are building up to this for him. And of course, that, you know, reflects the experience that Chinatsu just went through. And uh, Taiki is watching Haru practice, and as he does that, he also glances over at where Chinatsu is. And uh, he then, you know, like, puts his head down while he's just quietly observing. Uh, so Kyo comes by a, a second after that, and he's just like, hey, I know that you've probably got a lot in your mind between Shinatsu and your match against Haru-senpai, but hey, you've got your own goals to accomplish, so don't let the pressure get to you. And Taiki gives him a little little smile. He's like, oh, thanks. Thanks. Mm-hmm. And uh, he goes back to practice, and he gets hyped up and like go away man. yeah yeah and everyone's like be quiet like, why are you yelling so much yeah he's he's just all motivated at this point he's just like let's go everybody and they're like shut up and uh but we weren't just, there for your little internal conversation with yourself we don't we don't know about how you will feel bad if you knock our out of the tournament and dash all of his dreams and it will weigh on your conscience for a long time <laughs> uh but his intensity, like, not only, like, gets the Batman team to react, but also uh, Hina is passing by, and she also is like, oh, yeah, go for a Batman team, and, like, everyone else in the gym starts, like, taking it up, because they're like, oh, Batman Club, yeah, you guys have a big tournament going up, so, yeah, go do it, go, yeah, go, Batman. Let's go, Batman. <laughs> no one else says. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go, team. I can't. I don't know if it's Discord is intentionally cutting your version of clapping off, or if you're just very quietly clapping. <laughs> it knows not to give me that. Yeah. Uh, it was like Nick. If you do this joke, it's going to be too funny. A couple people will die. I'm going to mute for the sake of the world. Yeah, I cannot hear a clap if you're doing it right now because what we put up is my audio recording. None of this is going to go through. <laughs> if, if you were currently kidnapped and your way to like let the world know was to like clap out an SOS no one's gonna hear it I'm so sorry oh man uh anyway uh Taiki is at home that night he's you know like looking over his equipment examining his racket and stuff Chinatsu comes in uh to see him and uh I like that Taiki apologizes, like, oh, I'm sorry, the room's so small. And she's like, I mean, it's the same as my room. He lives <laughs> in the same house with him. Uh, and she just says, hey, you mind if I you know, come to your match and cheer you on? Because, you know, like, you came to my game and Karen's going to be there and she's going to root for Haru. So I figured, you know, if, if I, like, go with her, then it won't be like, oh, Chinatsu came by herself in order to root for one particular player or whatever. And Taiki's like, yeah, yeah, of course. Like, if you want. yes, please come to my game. Yay! So. I, I need to ask your opinion on this. Do you think this is smart thinking or is she just overthinking? Because, like, She's overthinking. I was going to say, that's how I would feel too. 
But Chinatsu is always the one who is presented to us as like the slightly more stable one, especially when we don't get to see inside of her thought process to like see like, oh, there's a vulnerability here. And so she just seems very confident. She's like, oh, no, I'll go because uh, uh, Karen will be there and, you know, this this will work and everything like that. And it's just like, don't worry, just fucking go. <laughs> like, I guess high school kids might be like, hey, why is she here? And you know, who cares? I think that. She's being a little paranoid. Well, it's also, I guess, the the one difference, I guess, as well, is that it's not a team sport like hers was, where you could be like, I'm yeah. cheering for the team. She would very specifically be seen cheering for him. But also just like, it's a kid from your school. So, and you're just I like that, a super nice girl. I think that the only way that it could actually come into conflict would be in occasions where Taiki is going up against someone from his own school. And mm-hmm. we know that this is going to conclude with him going up against Haru. Yeah. So, Whoa, he, Nick, spoilers! <laughs> well, okay. We know that should they win out, it will conclude with her, him going up against Haru. So, uh, but yeah, anyway. The big moment happens. Sorry. So um, she's like, yeah, I'm going to go. I'm, I'm going to cheer for you. So and Taiki's like, yeah, I'll listen for it. She's like, no, focus on your message. It's <laughs> just a funny little detail. And he does kind of like focus on that. Like, oh, Shinatsu Senpai is going to watch my magic. But then as she's walking out, Shinatsu says, Taiki, I love you. And, he goes, what? and she's like, good night. Oh, <laughs> that's so fucking cute. It's so precious. Nick, who would have thought there would be romance today of all days in the weekly manga recap? Yeah, it almost was synchronicity. It's uh, nice. <laughs> yep. It was very it's very cute. Uh, I like that she just leaves. Taiki has to be like, no, she said it. It's very sweet. Oh, oh, um, she wants to hold hands later. <laughs> Taiki, no, your your poor heart, it'll explode. (laughs) Um, This is a good chapter. I I enjoyed uh, how the, like, it's very interesting to me because Ayame is not even that old of a character in the grand scheme of things this series, but like, she just feels so naturally part of the cast. And it's weird seeing like a natural part of her story just continue. And I'm just like, ah, yes, another part of my regular uh, intrigue and drama. And then I'm like, oh, right. You were a new character at one point in time. It's just a compliment to the writing, how naturally characters eventually just blend into the story. Yeah, no, I I definitely see your point that it's like it's it feels like she's been around for a long time at this point. Uh, would be ni- well. It'll be nice to have more Hina when she has something to do again. I think. Yeah, I, I'm still kind of waiting. Only so many subplots to do, I guess. Yeah, I'm definitely waiting for another good Hina subplot because she is. When like she showed up here, I was like, oh yeah, like you, you're like some, you're like kind of like the third most pop like important character in this series, but you uh, have not been as uh, relevant to the series because you haven't had like a big drama thing for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Chainsaw Man. Chapter 155. The Old Me. Yep. Uh, so, um, Barum held a gun up to Nayuta, uh, and was gonna shoot her, but one sane woman in this (laughs) crowd of very bloodthirsty people goes, everyone just stop it! She's a kid! And was like, but... 
somebody died while under her control. It's like, no, everyone calm down. It's been one day of this and you're all acting crazy. Everyone calm down. This, this woman is this woman's going to die. Like there, yeah. there can't be this voice of reason in this in this world for I, long. I don't know uh, uh, what, like the, anything about this character. I just know they're very cool because they the they're well actually I know two things. They're very cool because they stood up to defend Nayuta in a moment where it really did just seem like I was going to watch a child get shot. Uh, and then two, uh, the sleeve devil is shit in this universe because this person's not afraid of sleeves they're going sleeveless all the time be like fuck it i don't even need them who needs sleeves the sleeves devil's like no you have to fear me what if i what if my uh my sleeve gets caught on the stove and catches fire like well that's really kind of more of the fire devil i'd be scared of like no don't make them stronger (laughs) what if a situation happened where you're like oh it's cold so i pull my arms into my into my shirt, but then a big gust of wind happens and the sleeves wrap around your throat and begin straggling you like a garrote. <laughs> like, well, I guess in that situation. I guess. <laughs> but I don't know. It feels, it feels like, you know, like sleeves are more like, you know, everything associated with them is kind of like warm and comforting and, you know, like sometimes kind of like, you know, cutesy and romantic, like with me when people share sleeves. Like, no, that merely doubles the number no. of my potential victims. I'm very scary. Think about all the terrifying sleeve-related dreams and nightmares you have. Like, not, not really. I have dreamed about giant sweaters with really long sleeves that are really cuddly. No, no. And then they eat you? Yes. <laughs> they turn into piranhas? Again, I don't think the sleeves would be scary. It's the piranha devil. <laughs> Damn it, they take everything from me! The piranha devil? Yes! <laughs> anyway. What were we doing? <laughs> anyway, Baram's a fucking loser socket. <laughs> so he's like, shit, my gun's out of bullets. So then he holds the gun up to his own head and goes, oh, help me. She's taking over my body. And now you're just like, no, I'm not. Oh, no, she's trying to kill me. So everyone's like, I'll kill the child. So, yep, they uh, descend on her. And Nayuta has, a, has her life flash before her eyes. The uh, apartment building where Denji live in is in the middle of being on fire and collapsing and she remembers back when, you know, they moved in together. And, you know, Denji brought her into his home and while he was doing so, she just thought to herself, why do I feel pity for this human? Why do I want his heart? Uh, Who am I? And so she was just like, okay, use her powers to, you know, form a control chain into his head and and just kind of reads his mind that way. And she realized, like, okay, so this man, according to his knowledge, the old me was called Makima. And I wanted to destroy his contract with Pachita in order to awaken Chainsaw Man, the same Chainsaw Man that the old me once sought. If I grant her wish, I might find out who I am. This human is empty. I'll fill him up with happiness and then destroy it. And we see her begin the plan to do that. Yeah. Uh, You know, there's like signs of their life together. Just, you know, like little items around their little house. Uh, Like 
a cup with two toothbrushes in it, <laughs> which is very cute. I like how she's even got the little kid toothbrush with the, you know, like the fold down top yeah. and stuff. Um, But then there's just a shot of them going out, walking she all has, the dogs together. She has a little drawing of Meowie with one of Meowie's whiskers taped on it. Because she's like, yeah, yeah he, dro- she, he dropped her. She dropped one of her whiskers. I love Meowie, Nick. I bet. I hope the mm-hmm. cat survived. I mean, I'll feel really bad for these dogs uh, if they don't make it out. But I really need to know this cat's okay. I'm pretty sure Meowie is immortal. And until I see that thing's corpse, I'm going to assume that he got away okay. Yeah. So, uh, but there's just a, a cute shot of them running all the dogs together, and Meowie is perched on Nayuta's shoulders, and she's just got this like that kind of happy look on your face where you're like bewildered at the fun that you're having. Yeah, just like genuinely in awe. You're like, oh my god, what an amazing time I'm having. Yeah. Um, and then she remembers a conversation they had when they were, you know, cuddling up in bed at night, and saying like. You're an idiot, Denji. You know, you don't think about anything. And Denji was like, "Don't say mean crap right before. <laughs> don't don't make me feel bad right before I go to sleep." Uh, and but Nayuta said like, hey, "You're a student and chainsaw man." And what about me? Who am I? And after a second, Denji said, I think Nick paused. I think his internet skipped there. <laughs> Unless this is very dramatic. Uh, Denji as a child. What? Oh, uh, sorry. You just paused in the moment. You're like, and Denji says to her, and then it cut. <laughs> so it's like, damn, Nick's building a lot of dramatic buildup for a chapter. <laughs> Everybody. That was, a, <laughs> that was my internet's fault. I apologize. Uh, he, he says, you're my family data. Yes, yes. And then things get a little bit weird. Uh, not for this exact moment, but uh, because of what happens immediately after. Because, you know, there is an image of Denji as a child and he's in a void and he says, you've never had a family. You were always drawn to that word family. But you threw that all away when you chose Chainsaw Man. There's no way I could ever have a family. I mean, I killed my own dad. And Denji wakes up. In a so, hospital. <laughs> Yeah, he's in a hospital. So we just transitioned from all of this stuff to it being Denji's memories. Like the two things kind of like merge with each other between Nayuta remembering it and Denji remembering it. And it's kind of weird to see that. Like it seems as though the transition happens during that walking the dogs moment because... When in that conversation with Nayuta, it's from Denji's perspective as they're speaking. Uh, but it's just kind of a weird moment to see, like, oh, here's a memory this one character's having. Actually, this character's having it. So that's that's it's, all. Okay. It's interesting. Now, the way I was reading it was this was still uh, Nayuta's uh, memory because she is like, thinking in this moment basically right now she's in this turmoil because she saw denji have this opportunity to basically pick between her and being chainsaw man and he picked chainsaw man and she's very conflicted but she's like i'm still gonna help you like we're family she helped him escape and now she's in a situation where she might die and we go into this flashback 
to kind of explain a little bit more about who she is and how like kind of one of the fears that we had had about her was like, oh, what if she's just mocking all over again is kind of true. Like, sorry, she did have a, a moment where she's like, I am going to read your mind and I see everything that I was. And you know what? I'm going to do the same thing my past me tried to do, basically. And then they were a family, actually, and she learned to love him and love this family. So she has this very conflicted thing where she's like, I, like, you're an idiot, Denji. You don't think about anything because she's thinking all the time. She's like, who am I really? Like, I know that I am this person reborn. You know, I am Makima, essentially. But I am intensely doing the opposite of what she uh, was ever going to do. She legitimately is enjoying her family. So she's, I feel like, very conflicted there. And then the switch is he, you know, Denji calls her family. And then it switches to Denji's point of view where he is very upset with himself for the decision he made. So his own conscience is like, you don't deserve a family. After all, you're a shitty person who killed your own dad. Like... That, that, in my mind, was where the, the swap happened, because it's like sort of the connecting point of their two um, thought prosy right now. Yeah, I get that. Uh, it's uh, deliberately weird and dreamlike, though, uh, yes. in any case. Uh, I do uh, agree with some of the thoughts being echoed, which is that this section of Chainsaw Man it has been um, a little difficult to read weekly. Uh, the pacing has not been like super expedient we've kind of been stuck in this situation of like the house is burned down what's going to happen for like two months now or so uh mm-hmm. and i don't think any part of it's necessarily been bad but it definitely has felt very lengthy uh, as we've kind of been waiting to like move forward that said if anything happens to new Yuta, i'm gonna <laughs> lose my mind <laughs> so it definitely feels it definitely feels as though that's uh, being built up as like yeah, look, we know that she used to be Makima, guys, but she's not. Uh, <laughs> I'm just, there should be a bunch of characters to save this poor little girl somewhere out there, please, for the love of God. If uh, if there's like a chapter where Denji walks up to the home and there's just a Nayuta corpse there, I'll have to have strong consideration of just like, Nick, I don't want to, want to read Chainsaw Man anymore. <laughs> this becomes your Shibuya instant moment. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right. Uh, speaking of a series where it feels like we aren't really like moving anywhere, Kaiju number eight. Oh, no, wait, it's Kaiju number eight B side. Uh, so stuff does actually like go at a good clip chapter to chapter for this series. Yeah, Nick, this is the last chapter, right? It certainly felt like that (laughs) until the last page. (laughs) And in the same, almost the same level of befuddlement I had at being like, no, it's called Dr. Stone 4D. There's going to be four chapters. As I read this chapter, I was like, well, that was a nice little side story. And then it's like, to be continued. I'm like, continue. to what? What's left? Uh, chapter four, an outstretched hand. Last time, uh, Hushina got gobbled up by the giant lizard kaiju in his efforts to save the little kid that had also been swallowed. Uh, and as he is in this very, very scary visual of just like these claustrophobic maw that he is in because it's just all tongue and acidic membranes and stuff uh and he's being like crushed between the two uh-huh. uh he you know has flashbacks of people like his father his trainer being like look you can't do this Ashina. you know you can't just fight kaiju with just a blade but he hears the kid crying out in pain 
crawls over to him, grabs him by the hand, and he says, yeah, I know that you have been hurting, but just leave the rest to me. And he takes his sword, and he freaking cuts their way out of there. He cuts through all the memories of people telling him, look, you can't do this, and just gets that kid to safety by going straight through this thing's neck. Uh, the kaiju looks... Um, a little bit surprised and mildly annoyed by this, uh, judging by the expression it makes. <laughs> it, it's weird because this uh, moment is. Uh, did you watch the movie Nope? Jordan Peele's Nope. I've been meaning to, but I haven't gotten around to it yet. There's a one terrifying moment in the movie that is very reminiscent of this. Is all I'll say. Gotcha. Uh, and in addition to getting out of the thing's mouth, he realized, like, it can't dodge me if I'm this close to it so I can get the core. And he goes for it while holding the kid in his free hand. Uh, but unfortunately, being inside the acidic mouth of the beast has caused his sword to decay a little bit. So uh, it doesn't work as well as it should. <laughs> uh, and now he's in a really big trouble because his sword just, like, completely breaks uh, he's on the ground, he's holding this wounded kid, and this giant kaiju is bearing down on him. Uh, and, uh, so he remembers the exchange he had with Mina, where she asked, like, hey, can you take that in that kaiju? And he just said, I know I can save the child. And he thinks to himself, yeah, I knew I probably couldn't take this thing from the start. But at the very least, I gotta protect the kid. And, like, he, you know, moves to shield the kid with his own body as the kaiju comes down on them. And its head explodes uh, because, of course, Mina was able to get there in time and shoot the, the hell out of the thing. Uh, and it just rains gore down on them, of course. As, uh, as a good manga would do. Absolutely. And Mina gets to say on the radio, hey, thank you. Yeah, you have my thanks, Ashina, because you saved the child. I was able to shoot through the, the kaiju's core. Also, my tiger is here with me because, of course, he is. <laughs> yeah. For a long time, this was my defining character personality trait was I had a tiger. <laughs> You'll uh, note this is also not my B-side story. This is kind of your B-side story. So, yes, tiger still heavily a point of this. <laughs> this story's uh, informant of my character. Uh, Abina shows up uh, shortly after that. He's happy that Hoshin is, you know, not dead. Uh, and, uh, yeah, Hoshina gets to go into the, the hospital and recover, uh, both Mina and Ebina, Ebisu, Ebina, something like that. They, they come and visit him afterward, uh, and Mina's got a little gift basket, uh, and, and Hoshina, you know, tries to, like, you know, like, salute and be all formal and stuff, uh, and, uh, but Mina said, like, you know, I'm not just here to, to visit you and wish you well. She bows to him and says for your help with the neutralization operation as captain of the third division i formally extend my thanks uh and hushin is like oh i was just doing my job and everything uh he learns that the kid's gonna make it and wasn't seriously injured uh and mina points out like you saved that kid's life uh and i still haven't heard your answer and Hushin's like, well, well, my answer. And she extends her hand to him and says, will you join my force, Hushina? Uh, and Hushina, you know, says like, I mean, look, you know, all I've got is talent with the blade. And in our last mission, I wasn't much good with that. And Mina just says, Hoshina, 
will your power not evolve any further? And she's like, uh, that's, that, that's not what I meant. And so she says, then you have to just further polish your swordsmanship. Join my force and master your craft. And she extends her hand again. And Hoshina just thinks to himself, like, no one's ever, like, said that to me after they've seen my skills and thought that they weren't good enough. I mean, you know, like everything that I've been told at this point, you know, it makes sense that not having any talent with firearms, that puts me at a disadvantage uh, and I can't take on giant kaiju by myself. But I don't need to. If I pass the baton to Mina Ashiro, I'm sure she will. And uh, so he says, okay, if you're saying that I could be of help, then I would love to join the third division and they shake hands. Yay. Uh, uh, Everything's good. Said, yeah. Then she says, oh, by the way, Hoshina, you ignored the orders of Abina, which was your platoon leader. Uh, so once you're out of the hospital, I am going to punish you for this. <laughs> so, yay. Everything ends well in the flashback. Hoshina survived his own flashback. Hooray. It, it, it was dicey there for a moment, for a brief moment. I was like, is he? Oh, my gosh. Uh, and so we go back out of the flashback to where we were uh, in the first chapter with kendo training. And uh, there is, you know, a sparring match between Kikoru and Hoshina. Uh, Hoshina observes like, yeah, she is impressive, but she's still unrefined. He manages to win the match with a strike to the head. And she just says like, yeah, your defense is full of holes. You got stuff to work on. But he knows like, yeah, yeah she's, she's going to be growing a lot from here. Uh Ebina is uh, also there uh, and has also been kicking people's asses. Good for him. Uh, and uh, he just thinks to himself, like, oh, you, know, you know, after reflecting on all that, a lot has hap also happened after that. In fact, everything past that point was pretty rough. But I'm not going to think about that right now. <laughs> uh, Mina comes in uh, and says, like, oh, I've, far I curvier than I remember this character usually being depicted. It was almost like I know her hair has gotten longer since then, but I don't know the way she was drawn here. felt like it put more accentuation on like her hips for a moment. I was yeah. like, was this supposed to be a time? Like, I know it's a time skip, but I was like, <laughs> what were they like? Well, now she's a woman. <laughs> Yeah, it is a little bit weird. I think it has to do with more how she's holding herself than anything. Probably. But because she doesn't this usually dra get drawn that way. She's much more like spread legged. I've got a giant gun. Yeah. <laughs> to be clear, I'm not being like, oh, horniness. How dare or anything like that. It was just something where I was just like, have they? This just is strange to see uh, Mina looking like this. She doesn't usually get drawn with that kind of attention to her feminine attributes. Yeah. I get you. Not, not on this site. There are other sites that I'm sure go crazy about it. Uh, anyway, so... <laughs> Nick, don't you want to ask me about what some of those sites are? I know that they also pay attention to the tiger, so... <laughs> oh um, my god! Yes, tigers.com. <laughs> just tracks tiger appearances in media. <laughs> Come on, what, guys. What happens if I type tigers.com? Where do I go? I don't know. Let's so, see. Oh, my God. Sex with animals. I have to leave now. See, the Detroit, <laughs> Detroit Tigers. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. I guess. So. Yeah. Uh, Mina says that she has something to talk with Hoshina about, but she says, it can wait till tomorrow. And Hoshina's like, 
we're just like winding things down here. And she just points and there's a line that's formed behind Kafka, people who want to spar with Hoshina. Uh, so he's like, okay, one more match or, and, uh, you know, his first one up is up against Kafka and, uh, he thinks to himself about the time that, you know, Kafka explained like what he was driving him, which was wanting to be by Mina's side. And so he thinks like, you know, reality tends to be cruel. You can have a strong will, you can try to step up your efforts, but none of that guarantees that you'll realize your dreams. The chances of the oldest rookie with an unleashed combat power of 1% standing by Captain Ashura's side are next to zero. That isn't something that spirit alone can help. Your dreams will come true if you never give up. I wish I could say that, but I'm too cynical to say something like that while looking someone in the eye. But there is one thing I can say for sure. There's no future for people who give up. Even if your chances are next to zero, as long as you don't stop, you get closer to your destination one step at a time, even if you move at a snail's pace. And Aww. our chapter, our, our our side series, cross out, our chapter ends <laughs> with him holding his kendo stick and saying, bring it on, little fledgling. That is such an, such an ending note yeah. for this whole thing. I, Flashback's over, like the story that we were telling is done. I was like, ah, and that's where we come back to the present. No, to be continued. Okay. Sure. I mean, so Ninja did bring up earlier, this is potentially the beast side is meant to do more than just be like a Hoshina backstory. Maybe this is meant to be sure. like, hey, we haven't really figured out what Iharu's whole fucking deal is. And like, right. remember those three other characters we introduced? Maybe this will be a chance for us to expand upon them so that, you know, once they have plot relevant things to do, you won't just be like, who the fuck's this person? Like we all were during again, uh, uh, Nagumi's fucking lieutenants fight where you're just like, I don't give a shit about this. I, you, you can't make me like try to pretend like this is an important character. So maybe this is their place to be like, all right, we'll 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 focus on all of them. But yes, it, side cast, side character focus stuff, not just Hoshina's. Yeah, yeah, but I absolutely was right there with you. Where I was like, ah, this this was a nice little side series. I mean, I'm kind of glad it's you know quick and done. And then I uh, flipped the page, and it was like to be continued. What? <laughs> uh, all right. Nick, let's talk about a series that definitely should keep going on. That's Eden Zero, chapters 275, The Four Shining Stars Are Born. Now, Nick, I just heard you sigh, which is usually read as a sign of displeasure. Uh, that can't possibly be true, Nick, because this chapter answers all the questions we have eagerly awaiting to have answered. Um, so last time Ziggy showed up on Earth, found... Everyone, all, all, all of the shining stars and dark stars, original bodies dead and just a baby Shiki that had a little bit of life left. And then Mother appeared. Uh, the planet turned into Mother and he screams as Mother appears. And he's like, the planet turned into a person. Is this the Mother I've been thinking about? And I brought up how this was kind of like a weird like, not plot hole, but just, like, a weird, confusing element before, because I was like, isn't this Mother's creation? And they have an answer to that. The answer is the Chronophage. The Chronophage cro did it. The, the Chronophage did it, Nick. Uh, the Chronophage did it. <laughs> oh, what's that? This character shouldn't be here at this time? The Chronophage did it. Yeah, chrono Chronophage uh, did it. Uh, yeah, the answer is the Chronophage came by at some point, uh, ate Mother and reverted her back to when she was a planet Earth again. And then Ziggy got there, arrived on the planet, found a barely alive Shiki, 
And then she activated. So he has Shiki at this point. Uh, but otherwise, Shiki dies in that moment. Uh, so that's the situation. She says, you saved this baby. Uh, he's like, oh, I didn't mean to steal it. She's like, it's fine. It's actually pretty cool. The child was normally going to die. But like, you've changed his fate. This is really, really good. Again, Ziggy is Shiki. So like... <laughs> Where in this time paradox does that get resolved? And the answer is like, I'm just not going to think about it. Uh, other universe, I guess. Who knows? Uh, and she's like, hey, this child is a miracle. No one was supposed to survive. And he did. So would you like to stake the future of the cosmos on that boy? And Ziggy's like, I don't. What? <laughs> and she's like, no. no I, I mean, this that- is a good idea. Yeah. It's a good idea. She's like, I have many powers that are all equally as ill-defined. Uh, one power is to revive the Earth and become the source of all ether for the cosmos. I would not be able to do it immediately, but in a decade or so, I will have enough energy to do so. Why? Because that's how ether works, Nick. Why? <laughs> or... Uh, I can give that boy a universe in which he can walk the path of happiness. Uh, of course, that being a planet of robots at a medieval festival thing. Um, but if I did that, my eventually would run, my energy would run out. Ether would disappear from the cosmos and everyone would die. I don't really know how these are two options. One option's like, uh, if we wait a little bit, I could do everything I've ever wanted. And if not, I could do everything and then I'll die and everything will just vanish because I'm dead and I'm the source of all energy in this cosmos or something. Yeah, because a planet went overdrive. So well, this why is, can't this is theoretically maybe this is the answer and we haven't gotten there, Nick. And knowing how much of a mom fetish the series has, potentially that is where we are going. What if they just make every planet overdrive? Won't all of them have uh, the power to no. do this? <laughs> no. Can't every planet just be a flying mom who gives us no, energy? No, and I'll tell you why. Okay. Because Okay. <laughs> I was like, we could literally see in this panel here, she creates an entire world. So there's enough energy to statistically create a world, uh, have a a mom make a world, then overdrive that world, and theoretically make more worlds that can then be overdriven and just have a near infinite amount of uh, worlds. Nick, I played Magic the Gathering. This is how you go infinite. (laughs) Yeah, um, that's kind of the thing is that this is almost assuming like because uh, because Ether is kind of like the source of all life and, and power and stuff that uh, it's kind of like saying that essentially when the Earth died and overdrived into Mother, that that also caused all the cosmoses to have either. So that also presumably created life on those worlds, which then asked the question. So then where did the life for the Earth come from? If that is the case, Jesus, Nick, we talked about this earlier. <laughs> <laughs> we went through a whole saint discussion, buddy. I don't know, what, I don't know how more clear it can be. Yahweh, Nick. <laughs> the one above all. <laughs> you habak. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Ziggy's like, I'm confused. You want the baby? <laughs> you want the baby to make this decision? <laughs> She's like... <laughs> stand here and then we're gonna put a bountiful cosmos of energy over here and whichever one the baby crawls to first is the decision they want to make oh, all right 
But baby, she can tell. He's like, he's an infant. He's not going to crawl for like We've got a friend for rolling over onto his face, you fool! <laughs> he came in on his own goddamn neck up! You want this baby to decide the fate of the cosmos? Look, in my defense, I was born five minutes ago as well. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing great! I'm floating, she... I'm floating naked in space, I'm killing it! It's great to know that <sighs> when... Look, this is what's so weird about this. So... The explanation for why Ziggy is present at the birth of Mother is that a chronophage came by. Yes. Here, actually. Here. <laughs> All right. Nick's so going to get I, a whiteboard. So I, oh, my God. <laughs> so th- in this timeline that, that, that Mother came from, uh-huh. uh, the Earth overdrives into a giant woman with proportionally big boobs. Yep, I do see that. Big boobs she's around on there. For 20, she's around for 20 millennia. But then uh, a chronophage comes by and <laughs> Pac-Man's her. So this caused her to turn into the version from right before she turned yes. into a big boobed giant woman. But this recently born one just like shows up here in 10 years ago time. After the giant woman has been around for 20,000 years. So that, technically speaking, all makes sense. However, when you think about it, Mother can do what? Create universes. Uh Based on the fact that with her ether, they're able to jump between parallel realities. So if that is only possible, and also by her absence all of the timelines collapse into a single one where everyone dies who has ever died, then that means that she is simultaneously the source of all giant events in this reality. And a giant snake in space can eat her and cause her to lose all of that time. But... Also, she is such a godlike being that that happening to her does not prevent her from having knowledge of such a thing happening to her, or at least theorizing that it could have happened to her. Uh So I submit to you three possibilities. One is that, uh, no, no, no. You know what? I'm going to strike one of those. Two possibilities. Okay. One is that this is a test by Mother to see what they will choose. And it will turn out if they make the noble choice or the right choice or whatever, in a callback to the one where, you know, like, you know, Shiki chose the cautious option when he shouldn't have, uh, then they will be rewarded in some way. And it will be revealed that, for example, oh, we could just have other planets overdrive or whatever. There won't be, you know, like a massive shortage of, of ether or whatever for people to use and stuff. Or two, uh, Mashima Hiro writes bad sci-fi. Uh, those <laughs> both seem equally possible in my mind, but I guess we'll find out. 
I hadn't even thought of that stupid fucking decision from like three years ago of like, what? You're going to run away from the bombs instead of just dying? Aren't you fucking stupid? Um, so yeah, I guess we'll see about that. Anyway, uh, Ziggy is again like, you want the baby to choose? And she's like, yes, he is Earth's sole survivor. I believe he should be given the right to choose. And she's like, and Ziggy's like, can't you just choose? And she's like, I'm a planet. He's like, damn, got me. <laughs> <laughs> she's also a god again <laughs> I, I, Ziggy's like shit this, why did I think actually, of that this part like I'm going to just drop all the sarcasm stuff and just say it's like that is such a stupid bullshit line of reasoning because yes she doesn't make the choice but she also lays out the two options and says you can only go for one of these two when clearly like her ability to understand that and lay those out and decide that she should be the one to make the choice means she is making a choice i was gonna say this isn't this isn't like some magical contract thing where she was like i was gonna pick but someone who survived earth has managed someone who was from earth managed to survive so now the choice falls to them she's just like oh isn't it cute cheeky's here he should probably make the decision and ziggy's like again baby <laughs> i don't know what you want uh, so she's like, I don't have the power to choose. This child will determine the fate of all the cosmos. Booth blinks out of existence. Ziggy is back on board the Eden Zero. Uh, and he's like, what? Mother was right here. Or was it an illusion? And then he sees baby Shiki crying. He's like, oh, man, this wasn't an illusion. How am I supposed to raise one of these? So... <laughs> This is so weird. This is so, this is so oh, classic God. Ziggy, not a sex thing. He's like, oh, I can't figure it out. Uh, he's like, these bodies I, and tubes. he's like, I saw a lot of bitches in that room. <laughs> I didn't know one of those bitches had to be this baby's mom, right? So, so I just start, I, decided to start I, making naked versions of all of them. Look, I, I know that I actually said that he would do this like when we covered the last chapter i was kidding i guess <laughs> and now it's good to know that when they discovered that giant room full of naked women that he was just trying to do a good thing yeah this was all to get mom energy nick it was established that's why he's trying to get enough mom energy so that shiki doesn't have to decide between destroying the planets or not you know? Why'd you, put the, why'd you put the little girl in there? It could be her. I don't know. <laughs> eh, eh, all moms. All moms are equal. And again, as I've established multiple times, now this is not a sex thing. All of their clothes fell off when I was putting them in the tubes. <laughs> He's like, there have to be thousands. The same accident happened over and over statistically would just be, no, they all fell off. This is not weird. Um, he Why did Hermit's hair ties not get taken off? This question, this, this interrogation is over. Um, so he's making all of the shining stars because he's like, surely one of these has to be this child's mom. Uh, and I'll come up with a backstory that I'll just make up. Uh, Laziest goddamn bit. He's like, uh, what if? Part up. What if? You were all with me, and then when we found this baby, we decided to turn back. <laughs> yeah, all that stuff that I hinted towards us, you know, like you being my generals or whatever and stuff, now made it all up. Just yeah. programmed the memories into you that was all fake. Fuck this story, I swear <laughs> to God, fuck this. Um, 
And why does that even matter? No, no, no. Why does that even matter? This is a different timeline. Why does it have to have made it up? <laughs> Nick, well, you have to remember all timelines exist at the same time. No. Uh, or something. I don't know. I don't know, Nick. This series is bad. Anyway, you have to remember that while all this is happening, Shiki, Rebecca, and Pino and Happy are just floating along being like, huh. So they start finally deciding to fucking comment on any of this shit. Because they're like, hey, all these people are in this tube naked. And they're like, wait, he fabricated the Shining Star's memory? Now, Nick, a little detail. Do you remember uh, how for a while we've been teased that there is some, like, monumental tragedy to uh, the Shining Star's backstory? Pino discovered the truth that she was horrified. She, like, was so... Yeah, like she it was, was like, a really big thing. She, she went... She's like, I can't talk to you. Like, I cannot tell you the terrible tragedy behind your origins. And the answer is like, actually, you're based off of a bunch of women who all died. Um, and Cheeky is uh, his own grandfather or something. Uh, and uh, and also uh, there were there were there were there versions. Were yeah, there were versions that didn't go well, which I guess is the horror she's referring to. You could play, paint horror. As like it was actually really devastating that all of these people died in the shelter slowly, um, but like the the series didn't cover any of that, so there's nothing harrowing for us to experience. So yeah, it's just like unnamed, unseen experiments happened, etc. Uh, and he had to get the memories, false memories, awful, truly, uh, or else the androids wouldn't work. Yep. Shiki's like. Oh my god, my parents died so long ago. And he looks into the tank and he's like, But does this mean witch is my mom? We've known about this, this for months! <laughs> I know. Two chapters ago, you had the same revelation! <laughs> We've known <laughs> that witch gives birth to Shiki since that stupid one page flashback. What are we doing here? I'm trying to say that this is a smart plot by having his protagonist continue to not understand it because it's so advanced. <laughs> it's such a worthless end of the chapter. We as an audience have known this for a while. It directly stated or otherwise, it has been very clear. The very entity that the cosmos is run on is 10 years old. And you have no comment for that. That's what I mean. There is so much more interesting stuff that this group had no commentary for. We know they're fucking floating along in space watching it all, but the only thing they commented on is like, ooh, this is some info we already know about. This is the juicy stuff to have my commentary to. My god. Oh, I, I, a part of me needed this chapter to happen, Quinn. I feel like a more complete person than I did before Tuesday when I read this. It's so bad. <laughs> this, is, this is one of those weird chapters where um, I'm like, maybe we should read Heroes next <laughs> Like, maybe, whatever. What's a Dead Rock something up to? Let's go check that you to the end of the Earth hero, you and your bullshit. <laughs> Give it to me. <laughs> Um, alright. <laughs> we have so green, many more series. <laughs> green, green, greens. It's, it's green, green, greens. Golf. 
Except not golf. Pokemon, but not Pokemon. The uh, legally distinct Pokemon cards. Chapter 10, asking for the impossible. Oliver is trying to learn this Pokemon game in order to have something that he can bond with his little brother over. So, you know, Haku has brought in his little brother as a coach. They're like trying to play it at the driving range in order to do it. Uh, and so he's like, oh, my God, this game is too complicated. How can kids get into this? So they're like, hey, Roland, uh, when you clear loose impediments, what should you do if your ball moves? And he's like, oh, you replace the ball and add one stroke, penalty stroke that you could replace on the green without penalty. And so he just rattles it off immediately. And like, you can handle a children's car game, Roland. Come on. <laughs> yeah, oh. I, I do love he's like, I'll never be able to figure out the rules of this. And they're like, my guy, you play an entire sport at a professional level right now. You can handle it. <laughs> Uh, on top of that, they learn from Haku's uh, little brother that uh, his brother Johan uh, is in his class. And so they're like, hey, you, know, you want me to ask if you can come play with us tomorrow? And Oliver's like, uh, I'm not ready for this, uh, no, no, but cut ahead. And uh, yeah, Johan's there. There is a very awkward moment where Haku says like, oh, yeah, it's nice to meet you. I'm Sota's big brother. Oliver is hiding behind him from his own younger brother. <laughs> it's so awkward. Yeah. Uh, and so they're like, oh, why is my big brother here? It's like, oh, we happen to know each other. You guys are brothers. And Oliver is interested in the Pokemon game. And then immediately Johan's like, no, he's not. <laughs> Let's play a game together. Yeah, two on two. And it's like the brother teams against each other. It's and very funny because Oliver's like, no, this is not how we should have split up the teams. It should have been the old people against the young people. What are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> I need someone to help me. I don't know what I'm doing. And it is it is such a st stark contrast because Haku and his little brother, like his little brother's like, which one should I play, big brother? He's like, you've got to decide that for yourself. It's no fun if I tell you what to do. You know, being encouraging and stuff. And Oliver's like, what do I do? I'll play this. And Jan's like, you can't play that right now. <laughs> this? No, that's an evolved card. You can't play that. Take that. It's not your turn. <laughs> Just, it looks really sad. It's very funny how sad he looks. He's so distraught. I feel like we've all done this where you just fuck up the rules to something so much. Like, I just want to go and disappear, please. Please. The actual rules of the Pokemon card game are too complex for what I always want to do with them, which is just have the Pokemon cards go against each other. Uh, so... Um, like an hour has gone by of this and Johan's like, mm, I'm going to go home after this. Uh, so Oliver like tries to say like, Hey, is it okay if I were to play this card now? And Johan just says, why don't you learn the rules before you try playing? Oh, not, not, not good. And then Oliver's like, Hey, come on. I'm trying to have fun right now. I was like, I knew it. you only care about golf. You should just stick with golf. You shouldn't force yourself to spend time with me. I hate golf, and I hate you. And so Oliver says, yeah, you're right. Golf's all I have. I'll head back to the States early. And he gives him a little hug around the head, and he's like, take care. And, and uh, it's, it's one of those things that's like, oh, you can tell that he really does freaking love his little brother. That's such a tender little embrace. Uh, yeah. And it actually does rattle Johan a little bit, but Oliver gets up and walks out. Uh, but Haku spots that Oliver has accidentally left his phone behind. So he says to Sota, like, hey, can you <clears throat> tell him to come and grab his phone? And so Sota runs off. 
and uh uh haku uh, says like hey uh johan you want you thirsty right now you want you want something to drink and uh you know, it's like, no, I'm fine. It's like, oh, come on. You, you want, why don't you have a Coke? And, uh, ah, sponsored by Coca-Cola. Uh, I like, <laughs> he, this really became a Coke commercial for a couple panels, because he's like, you're thirsty? He's like, no, I'm fine. Don't be like that. Come on, have something. I personally recommend a Coca-Cola. We've got some, you know? And he's like, well, all right. I'll have some then. Hard cut to the Coke, you know, label pointed towards the screen. I'm like... That was a weirdly unnatural way for a conversation to go. <laughs> uh, so Haku tries to get Johan to talk about his brother. And Johan's like, yeah, he just all he cares about is golf. He's always practicing. He's just from a different world from me. He's studied abroad in America. He's got all these trophies. Mom and dad are always thinking about him. They've got his tournaments recorded. Nobody came to my sports festival. But, you know, that's fine. I mean, look look at me, man. I'm, I'm no good at sports. Because he's just this, you know, stubby kid. Yeah. Whatever. And he's like, I'm just kind of average. I, I don't have anything interesting to talk about. I don't have tons of friends the way that Sota does. So I sometimes wonder why I'm my big brother's little brother. Uh, So Haku's like, yeah, I get it. And you know, says, you're just saying that to try and make me feel better. And Haku's like, no, I really do get it. And he's just got this, like, you know, kind of sad, knowing smile on his face. Yeah. Uh, and he says, like, yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. It's like everyone that I know is just the main character of their own story. They're designing games, going to train as doctors, playing pro baseball, going abroad, living abroad. I'm the only one who's small and pathetic and since I couldn't win at anything, I ended up doing nothing. Oh. And Johan says, well, you seem like you could do anything if you just tried. So Haku gets on his phone. He says, yeah, let me show you something. And he shows him a picture of him as a kid. This, you know, chubby little kid in, like, grade school. And he's got, they're, like, de de dressed up for, like, you know, sports day. And he's got this big dirt smear yeah. across his front. And he's clearly trying not to cry while posing for the picture. And uh, he says, like, yeah, I was a super sore loser. But I knew I couldn't win the race. So at the beginning, I just started sprinting like crazy because I, I just wanted to be in first place, even if it was just for a second. And then I tripped, and that's how I fell, I fell and just ended up like that. Uh, and at the end, everyone applauded because I finally finished. And all the parents, the younger kids, applauded me for finishing. And I hated it. And I started hating competitions. And I sometimes wonder, you know, if I hadn't tripped... Could I have been a main character too? This is a cautionary tale. Don't be too daring. You've never tripped, Johan, so you're still okay. Uh, and Johan's like, yeah, I've got my big brother and stuff. So, and Haku starts to say something. He looks towards the stairs and sees no one there. Uh, so he says, okay, how about this? How about I beat your brother in golf? Give me a year to do it. Like, I'm a clueless amateur that if and so if he got beaten by me, I bet he'd give up. You know, it's like, <laughs> there's, there's no way. He's like, no, wait, I can hit the ball pretty far. 
I'll practice super hard. I'm on your side, Johan. Him neglecting you like that, that pisses me off. I'm serious. One year, I'll do everything I can. And he just gets, like, creepy intense look uh-huh. on his face and starts to freak out Johan. And Johan says, I don't, I don't want that. Why would you? And Haku's like, hey, if, if Oliver quits golf, you won't have to suffer anymore. So come on, you know, you can you can be honest with me. And Johan says, well, I'm, I'm lonely because my mom and my big bro live really far away. Golf and my cold brother, I hate them. I wish there was no golf sometimes, but I don't want him to quit. I know how hard he's worked to win that much. My golf playing brother is my hero. And of course it cuts <laughs> to the stairs just out of Haku's point of view. And Oliver's sitting on the steps and he's listening to his brother say this. And Haku just says, you should tell him that. Because I'm sure it would make him happy. So afterwards, after, you know, Oliver has a little cry because <laughs> he knows that he his got little to brother hear loves him. It. Yeah, that's so sweet. Afterwards, uh, he and Haku are sitting on a bench together outside. And, uh, you know, but, like Oliver's like, yeah, sorry for getting you involved in this. And Haku's like, no, nah, I helped you out because I wanted to. Uh, and uh, Oliver says, I can't be like you. I can't be a big brother. And Haku's like, yeah, what a coincidence. Here I was thinking I could never be as stoic as you. But, you know, good for you. You're Johan's hero. Uh, and Oliver's like... I have to repay you. Do you want me to, to teach you, or do you want me to enter the competition? And Haku's like, eh, it's fine. And, no, it's, and Oliver's like, no, no, it's not. And we end on the note of Haku saying, like, oh, both then. Don't be greedy. You gotta make a choice. But in between that, Haku looks at the picture that he showed Johan of him embarrassing himself as a little kid, and he deletes the photo. You don't need anymore. He doesn't need to have it hold him back anymore. This is a great chapter. This is amazing. This is like a an absolutely stellar chapter uh, that creates like such a dynamic world in these characters and give the gives them such like a rich backstory. Uh, like Haku just feels so completely realized uh, beyond like oh. He's uh, a good golfer who's finally managed to find something that like drives him forward. It's like also he has kind of a complicated relationship with his siblings and that, you know, he cares a lot for his younger ones. But there's potentially someone else in his family that uh, maybe he has kind of a distant relationship with. And also we get a little bit of an idea where some of the source of his trauma that prevented him from ever trying anything really as he got older comes from. And He's also just like a good dude. <laughs> like, yeah, he, he just does this to help out these these two brothers who yeah. can't work their own shit out. Yeah, yeah, specifically. And also doesn't do it for any ulterior motive. He specifically says at the end, he's like, you know, I'm very happy for you. He's like, well, all right. Well, after pay, he's like, no, you don't have to give me anything. But then in classic way, he's also still a fun, interesting character because when Oliver's like, no, I absolutely have to do something. He's like, all right, do both then. (laughs) And it's like, and it's like just a funny way to end the chapter on. This is a great series. I don't want to look to see where it's ranking right now. (laughs) I don't want to know. I just want to enjoy it. It's not that bad. It's, it's not horrendous. Uh, It's not bad. This is, this is a very much, 
uh, Marge Simpson doing piano lessons when I'm like, I could do piano lessons to teach money. Like, mom, you don't know how to play piano. One step ahead of the kid. <laughs> I just need to be one less ahead of the kid. They're like, I just need two more worse series to come along. That's all I got to do. I don't need to outperform One Piece. I just need to outperform you. Yeah, I need to outperform you, super psychic policeman Chojo. Yeah, we're not. We'll get to the- we're not there yet. We got to talk about. We got to talk about a series that's unfortunately doing very well. New Sex New Sex Assist Chapter Thirty Seven. The monkey, like the seventeen monkey paws that all curled <laughs> seven months ago when I talked about this series. Yakuro again is telling himself like I need to do something to help Shitatsu <laughs> again uh, and uh, we get an explanation of what the level 3 spirit has actually done which is summoned its grime blade which is is its main core it conjoins all the prey it has consumed until now to create an irregularly shaped sword called the grime blade it dissolves anything it touches Regeneration will stop when the grind blade is forcibly separated from the main body. It is the clear weak point of a level three. But this isn't just a matter of like, oh, we've exposed the weak point. It's, it's almost over. This is where the real level three elimination begins. So, okay. I At least with this info dump, it at least establishes very clear stakes this time. As opposed to, I don't know, some spirits stack on top of each other. And is it stronger? Not really. <laughs> this is like actually like what's going on here uh shitatsu dodges the blow but she gets hit by some of the debris that gets knocked up and uh gets starts to get swiped at by the level three thingy uh but then uh the level three starts to realize that something is off and that's because gakuro has been cloaked by tsubaki's uh, ability uh so he swings his blade uh, but uh, the level three protects the grind blade because now that it has entered this stage, it's like way smarter, uh-huh. and that's basically it. Like the, the, this is a very sudden, like much more tactical, much more paranoid spirit than what they were dealing with before, when it was basically mindless and she thought it could just punch it repeatedly and it wouldn't do anything. Uh, so it's a sudden thing, but at least there is a visual cue that indicates why it's acting this way. Uh, so the level three is trying to run to where Gakuro can't absorb shadows in order to power up his attack. Shitatsu goes after it, uh, and, uh, she's like, I'm going to kill it, uh, while, while, uh, my presence is being hidden by, by Spocky. And it's like, ah, this was all a trap. Yeah, grab you. Ha ha. Uh, and then it tears off a bunch of its own body, like arms and stuff, and like uses them to hold Shitatsu and cross the Tengu hostage because again the spirit's just acting very differently now and it goes like oh come here and fight me to, to, to Gakuro because it's acting very differently now and so Gakuro's like alright I'll fight you I have to think of something this is just his mantra it's like I have to think of what I'm going to do yeah I've already absorbed all of the shadows from the forest or something so I need shadows basically so he tries to do it. The spirit cuts him off. It grabs at him, uh, starts to attack Gakuro. And Shitatsu is like, don't you fight it all on your own, Gakuro. And she gets a hand up be- to 
knock the tree over. I don't know why she can't just break herself loose when she's got a disembodied hand to work with her, but whatever. She goes to knock the tree over, and so Gakuro goes to try and get the tree shadow, but the spirit cuts him off again, and so instead he rushes in towards the shadow in order to do it, but then the spirit holds him captive, holds Shutachi captive, but no, she doesn't, because Gakuro got Karasutengu again, and 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 was cloaked and now is attacking the spirit from behind but just like oh no it's it's reaction speed is such that it's going to hit him before she he hits it uh bakakura is like i won't get another chance so i've got to win now and that's the end of the chapter yeah uh we rushed through it pretty quickly but there really isn't a ton of content in here the spirit gets attacked after Gakuro holds up all the shadows then it takes uh, it, it avoids a lethal attack grabs uh, Chitatsu and holds her hostage and then Gakuro panics for a while before uh, what, what is her name? Chitatsu? Chitatsu. 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 <clears throat> uh, solves the day and is like hey I gave you your in. Presumably he wins here. I don't really have anything to say this is just like of mediocre like action manga um that unfortunately i've seen like way too many other exorcist series to like way creepier villains like this i think it's supposed to be very horrifying this like multi-eyed crying monster but like it's constantly glowing yeah i'm like i don't know man i watched i read like phantom seer and shit like that like there's there i, I don't, I don't want to be mean but i'm just like these designs aren't hitting that hard when this is like a well-trodden path in manga is like what if i was a uh, an action series with horror elements and i'm like well you have a lot of competition yeah that face needs to either be way smaller or way bigger in order to be scary <laughs> yeah um all right, or just yeah, or, or just also don't uh, tease us with the threat that's like, oh wow, this is like the the terrifying thing. Actually, there's like four things more terrifying in this location, yeah. uh, which is just kind of like an anticlimax. Yeah. All right, so we don't have time to do a fifty page uh, blow by blow uh, of a new series, but fortunately, uh, <laughs> we don't need to. <laughs> is it's look, guys. It's a gag series, okay? It's it's Super Psychic Policeman Chojo. That's the new series that debuted this week. It's by Shun Numa, who is the guy who did uh, Simone the Summoner. Uh, and it's kind of the same deal, just the powers of the guy in question are a different power set, slightly. Uh, he is a psychic policeman. He has telekinesis and can read minds and stuff, and he is teamed up. With uh, a girl named, uh, what, Nich Nichijo, I think is her name, or Nimonga, some something like that, uh, who is, you know, like a very just kind of there girl, you know, like she's like a she's it. she's a tough, uh, optimistic uh, girl uh, who is the straight man sort of to this guy being a little bit weird, but he's also yes. kind of the straight man to the world being a lot weirder than he is. Right. Uh, there's going to be a lot of goofy side characters. Uh, Ipongi is her, is her name. Uh, that's it. Uh, so, like, uh, there were a bunch of uh, jokes about, like, you know, Jojo being irresponsible, except when it counts, you know, uh, and using his powers to do silly things. Like, he uh, he goes up, he, while, they're, while they're walking the beat, he plays yo-yo with some kids. 
uh, because he's a loser. But then when they have to confront the Yakuza bad guys at the end, he uses a wrecking ball that they bring and uses psychic powers to turn it into his yo-yo and does yo-yo tricks with the wrecking ball in order to fend them off. Whoop, 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 whoop. Uh, there were, I think, two jokes that I thought were that I looked at and went, oh, that's kind of funny, uh, which were that the guy at the beginning who has to have yeah. his uh, phone screen unlocked, he comes back this, at the end of the chapter. That's the best joke oh, in this oh. chapter. Because uh, it's it's very clearly like she's in a rough spot. This guy's going to come to save her. And then when you find out, it's just the <laughs> the, the idiot from the start of the chapter. Yeah. You're like, all right, that's amusing. That was a good yeah, play with my expectations. Yeah, he doesn't know how to use his phone. He's like, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll record the incident so that, so that uh, you know, the police will come and stuff. Oops, I accidentally took a selfie because he doesn't know how to use his phone. It's a, it's a good, good bookending joke, you know, for him to come back. The other that I thought was funny was when she is trying to, like, you know, bond with Jojo. And so Ipongi like brings up all these times in her life when she's like, oh, all these times would have been great to have a superpower policeman come and save me. Like that time that I was bullied as a kid and I beat up my bully or that time that a bigger bully came by and I beat him up, too. Or that time all the Yakuza showed up and I beat up all of them. Like, you know, so she doesn't actually need it. I thought that was, you know, it was it was a well-structured joke. Rule of ex- escalation in threes and stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't think this is a bad series. It is 100 percent not my kind of humor though uh and i kind of knew that going in i gave it my best shot and i feel like we're going to maybe summarize two more chapters and then never talk about it again (laughs) whoa how do you know i'm not i i don't have the veto uh but how do you know i'm not gonna like brute force it into the recap look it's just a theory okay (laughs) So. It's a good theory. Uh, I did not particularly care for this first chapter. It's not as bad as I worried it was going to be. Sometimes, like, first chapters for comedies are awful. Um, God, what was that one recently? Not Protect Me, Shokamaru, but there was, like, something after that. Um, there was the one with the girl driving the robot boy. And I feel like there was even one beyond oh that God. that I'm like, but anyway, yeah, we have not had like very strong comedy series in jump recently, or at least new ones. Uh, I don't know what the fuck kill blue count says. Um, but essentially, I guess that's not a gag manga. Um, this one isn't bad, but it's not great. I don't, there's a lot of like weird playing around with like, oh, Choji's uh, going to be a pervert. He's going to read my mind to be gross. Uh, and he doesn't do that, but they just reference it a lot. And also like the opening cover page is like, oh, she's upside down. I don't know. There's like some stuff that I'm like, I'm not annoyed by this, but I'm just like, I just, I worry that if we're going to tee the line this long, that eventually it might just be obnoxious. Also like, you know, gag manga take time to get going. Um, and right now there's no element that I'm like, well, I definitely want to stick around because this has seemed rewarding. Yeah. Uh, and even like, if it turns out to be really, really good, it's going to need to take like a strong left turn into having plot and for us to like talk hey, about it on the show. Meet, meet uh, Tama security busters or security busters that never really got much of a plot going. Well, but that's kind of my point is that even yeah. if it, it also like, got canceled strong, pretty early. <laughs> Right. Even if it turns out to be a fairly strong comedic series, like we don't we don't talk about me and Roboco, for example. It's just not kind of the thing that like really has a good flow for us to talk about, I think. Um, So I like maybe, but probably not. Yeah, we shall see. 
In the meantime, uh, let's talk about the skating manga that's definitely going to last for a very long definitely time. And I'm not sitting here kind of like quietly being like, all right, well, that's one more series to make Green Green Green's a little bit safer. <laughs> uh, this is a weird chapter, but I do appreciate its existence, even if reading it wasn't really that entertaining. Um, it's just like, hey, it's the Olympic figure skating men's single free skate. And so we see that Hayuma and Kisara are cheering on Laurent Fujiwara as he is performing uh, his. And it's like, oh, yeah, he's got to be using this cool song. It seems like a weird song, though. What's it called again? Panic at the Discos. I write sins, not tragedies. Did, did you wait for a moment where they were going to be like, hey, he's dancing to this old ass song? Um... He's, they say he went back to a song from a few years ago, well, which is a I, I think generous description. <laughs> I think they're referring to this was a song for him that he used a few years ago. I feel like Panic at the Disco is is uh, pretty affirmatively in the retro category at this point. This, that song has to be almost 20 years old. I think that it is at, at this point. It Let's was see. definitely a 2000s. I write sins, not tragedies. Which is, by the way, the chapter title. <laughs> yeah, this released. Oh God, Nick, two thousand five, two thousand five. Oh, wow. So close. almost right, exactly on on twenty years. Uh, but uh, it's essentially this performance that we see is to be about how Lord Fujiwara um fucks up on the on the grand stage of the Olympics. It's really weird because he's doing this performance, and when you next see him, it's because he's slipping, but because of the pose he's in, I almost thought he was breaking. Yeah, I was gonna say, dude, this guy has such a cool routine! So oh no, he's fucking up! Yeah, I was gonna say, that's so dangerous to try that on the ice, that must mean he's really good! And I read further, and I'm like, oh no! <laughs> like little the, man! He's doing like the Russian... The yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, that's, that's what they do it from. It's from <laughs> Moscow by Genghis Khan. That's where that dance came from. That's what they invented it. They were like, Moscow, Moscow. <laughs> oh, my God. It's, speaking of 2005, by the way, I know that's from like 30 years before that, but that was a meme in 2005. <laughs> um, so essentially... Laurent is just really struggling. Uh, and so there he's like, you know, even when he does manage to do hits and moves, he's not completing combos. So he's, you know, getting points reduced. Yeah, his, 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 uh, his, his uh, combo breaker scores is real low. He's just not yeah. he's not keeping any kind of consistent power going on. He's not going to be able to tilt his guitar that way and, and activate charge mode anytime soon. Note streak to uh, zero. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I do love how uh, when Hayuma sees him performing, he's like, he should have done a flip. Oh, right. That's not a good thing to do. It's not a good thing to do. <laughs> um, and it gets to a point eventually where he is like, I normally like everyone watching me perform, but now I can see that everyone's disappointed in my performance and he just gets sucked into it. He, he says, it's like they're swallowing me up and he just gets 
there's a visual of him being drawn into a vortex as this is happening. And he just kind of goes into a self uh, propagating cycle where people are like sad and feeling sorry for him. And he just can't feed off of their positive energy. And he just struggles more and more. And, you know, it sucks because like, Hayuma and Kisara are like, oh, come on, you can do it. And he's just failing in front of them. And they're like, oh, he was so nice. He was so cool. And all we could do is cheer him on. All of us want just, you know, that, you know, that we want this to happen. Uh, but Lauren does, like, start to hear some applause from the audience. And it's not, like, super great, but he's like, I'm here for the audience. I'll perform the rest of the program for the audience. And... He goes into a spread eagle stance, which is weird because, like, an eagle visually appears behind him while he goes, <laughs> ah! Cock! <laughs> so, he fa- finishes the skate, obviously doesn't do well, uh, and, like, his coach has to, like, comfort him while he's apologizing for fucking up at the Olympics, which really, really sucks. Uh, and he finishes in, like, 11th place uh, afterwards, we learn. Uh, but after that, uh, you know, Hayuma just thinks, like, I don't think any of us are allowed to call that a tragedy. The only people who can understand how you felt are those who have felt the same pressure he was under. Uh, and uh, we see Laurent coming backstage after his performance. And he runs into Taka, gives him kind of like a quick one-arm hug. And then he goes out to perform his skate. And immediately, Kazar's like, I don't want to watch this. Can we change the channel? Can we... I don't want to watch this. Uh, they make the announcement that he dismissed his coach, which we learned about uh, previously. And uh, he has picked the state, the song himself, the choreography himself. He defines everything by himself. And uh, Hayuma, while watching this, says, we're watching him on TV. And yet I feel like he's the one watching me because he's really creepy. And guess what? He's still the serpent from Garden of Eden, except not only is he tempting people to sin, he is reversing the audience swallowing people up by instead swallowing whole anyone who watches and puts them under his power. Yeah. Okay. They introduced that. Uh, they had like a little detail recently where they were like, this character's half German, right? That's why he's super interested in roaring people. <laughs> I wasn't going to say it, but I was thinking. <laughs> uh, and so that was actually I've been, I've, been, I've been taking German lessons. That's one of the first things they teach you. They're like, uh, here's how to say your name. Here's how to say what you do for a living. Here's how to ask if I may indulge upon your flesh. <laughs> and to say it with an unhinged straw. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually one full lesson in my app is just learning how to unhinge my jaw so that oh, I may I... consume <laughs> alright uh, yeah so it turns out that this whole chapter was just to big up Taka because you know uh, this is the force that Hayuma and Kisara are going to have to go up against because he is this incredibly dominating force in the world of single skating and he is going to bring that level of dominance into pair skating and they're a much smaller pond than the world of singles so if that happens they're like shit you know he's you're going to just completely overwhelm us we can't let that happen uh and uh yeah uh there it's there is an indication as well we might see his performance in the next chapter uh but uh we'll see the point of it definitely seems to just be like look this is how overwhelming this world is and taka is at a level even beyond that so it's an effective 
you know, antagonist building chapter. Yeah. But Nick, I, I would I would talk more. I really want to, but I don't want us to end up shortchanging a series where we get to talk about our favorite character ever coveted to save the day. So let's just move right into let's talk a loose of Sarai chapter one forty four governance thirteen thirty eight. Nick, take us away. All right. So Toki is chasing after Kojiro and Tokiyuki, and oh man, they're just so weak. Uh, Quinn, it's, uh-huh. it's impossible. They can't handle this guy on their own. They need some handsome regal archer to come and save the day, but that'll never happen. That, so that that'll be the day, Nick. That'll be the day. Uh, Kodro even manages to lash right at like Toki's eyes, but his helmet protects him, so he doesn't deal any damage. Uh, and I do like the detail of like, yeah, this guy is massively strong, so he can wear really, really thick armor and still carry it around. So he's got even more protection than a normal armored soldier, basically. Uh, they also establish, you know, how crazy Toki's foot soldiers are, uh, cause they've managed to capture one of the soldiers that, uh, didn't get thrown as a bomb and, Genba goes up to him and is like, why do you not care if you guys get, you know, killed by Toki? And he just says, oh, if he commands me to die, then that's my duty. Literally, our arm armor is bound with hemp that rips easily so that it can produce more shrapnel. Cool. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, then we get the moment that kind of makes things a little bit more okay, which is Pompadour guy, Momonoi, being like, I don't go. I want to make you my bride and stuff. And, uh, but there, then, like, one of the other soldiers is like, no, 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 literally, we just did everything we wanted to do, which was just, you know, giving Toki a smaller force by luring you here. And then Ayaka says, also, you've misjudged me. I'm 12 years old. And Momo is like, wait, you're a child? Oh, gross. Oh, God, no. Oh, gosh. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> sure. I mean, it doesn't necessarily uh, remove all the awful feelings, but, all, but... <laughs> I, I suppose that there had to be a conclusion. <laughs> the character realizing it, this was very inappropriate and he's very ashamed of himself is the best ending we could get. Like you started to go down that path and it was like, oh, man, you your options are bad and horrendous and you settled for bad. And that's a relief, I guess. Yeah. Uh, oh man, Tokiyuki and, and Kojiro are running away from Toki. Toki's slicing through bodies and just massive slashes. Uh, and then he smashes their body parts like debris into them. Oh, these poor children. They've been knocked from their their perches. The, he's too strong. He he can't even flee, can Tokiyuki. Who can defeat Toki? Oh, there's music playing. But there's music playing. Because, oh, oh, the great hero, the great hero who has commanded it, Lord Akiye. Nick, who is it? It's here. It's Lord Akiye. Now, and he's, he's tall. Now, Nick, what is Lord Akiye's wrestling theme song entrance? Oh, God. Um, let's see. Uh, it's got to be something that is supposed to sound good but then you listen to it and you're like this actually sucks mm. um so let's what, see what, got, let's what, what fits that bill who's a wrestler who's supposed to have an awesome theme song but you're like actually this blows ass yeah 
I, I mean, uh, the easy answer would be anyone who had a theme song that was good and then they changed it to something else that was worse. <laughs> <laughs> but that's too long a list. Yeah, like, I'm feeling almost like uh, it, it doesn't work because this was an ironic one. But like Christian's theme song when he first went yeah. solo, where it was just like, oh, this dude's so great. Everyone loves it. But you were supposed to boo Christian. That was like the entire point. So who had like a song that was supposed to be good? It was bad. Um... I mean, I can't do I'm Here to Show the World because I own it on my iPod. <laughs> um, oh, man. Like What's Cody Rhodes' awful new theme? The what, Adrenaline in My y- Soul. Yeah, that one sucks. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm actually getting a lot of Cody Rhodes vibes from a <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> All right, that's right. You love him. Never mind. I this love dude's, Cody this, dude, this dude sucks. Cody Rhodes super ruled. Uh, whatever his theme song is, it's the best. Uh, I didn't mean Cody Rhodes. I meant Schmody Dodes. His theme songs. <laughs> his theme song blows. Honestly, I think Cody's current theme is one of the worst that he has had because honestly, in all the periods that he hates, he had banger theme songs. <laughs> I love all of the versions of, of Smoke and Mirrors, and I love his Stardust theme. Yeah. <laughs> it's, anyway. Uh, also, possible answer, uh, um, Rob Conway's Look at Me theme. Uh, oh my from... god. <laughs> Did Rob Conway got his own theme song? Yeah, it went, look at me. <laughs> Oh my god, it would probably be fucking him then, but uh, holy shit, I didn't realize Rob Conway ever had his own theme song. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, so Akia is really tall now because he's got a giant outfit and stilts and stuff. And he's like, look at me, everyone. I am so magnificent and awesome. And look at me. I'm so beautiful. Such is the power of nobility. And all of his troops are like, oh, man, he's he's so beautiful. Let's kill everyone. Yeah. And and Gemba established like, yeah, apparently he just like brought like a change of outfits in the middle of battle and stage gear and musicians. Uh, but Kodro and Kyuki are like, oh man, he's covered his wounds with makeup and is doing his best to pull off an elegant performance. He has such strong, noble fortitude. The spirit and sophistication to overcome warrior houses and lead from on high. We get it! God! It's got a bow and arrow and he dresses in feathers and shit. Okay, fine. Yay, big comeback, because fucking Roman Reigns got off of the, the, the thing, uh, got off the stretcher and came back to the Royal Rumble after sleeping for 20 minutes. Cool. <laughs> uh, everybody's super pumped. Uh, chapter of the week, uh, a key A character of the week, we could just put nope. them in now. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna speak, I'm gonna speak for, how do I mute Nick here? I'm gonna speak nope. for Nick. <laughs> Ninja, he says Akie. Uh, who even cares about a kind of Banashi? But I guess we should talk about it. Maybe it'll be good. Probably won't be as good as Lord Akie, though. Uh, chapter, story 97, rather. Heartwarming. Uh, so Akane uh, is given a brief little pep talk to Chocho by Chocho, which is just like, hey, look, Tizen was like avoiding showing up early for this. He's got to be feeling tepid. There's got to be something pulling him the other way. So you've got to crush it. Uh, but Kai just says, nah, don't worry. Because, look, this is kind of a reckless endeavor for me from the start. I know what I'm getting into. Because, you know, she knows that the path to 
the rank she's trying to achieve normally takes like up to five years and she's trying to do it in her second year so she she already she doesn't need to be assured by this uh again we are reminded that like hey look you know we've got all these important people there's a national treasure here remember the arakawa arch four and an okanban uh and all of them are these major players in the industry there's a packed house here so akane is going to be delivering a performance what kind of performance will it be and uh akane steps out and uh you know just like very lightly makes her way to the cushion she's bouncing basically she's she's she's, she's, she looks like she's grooving to the music yeah Yeah. uh and she takes her position and she says i you know thank you everyone for attending asagao kanjokude's debut event uh and she says yeah it was last spring that i first met asagao anisan i had just graduated high school I was working backstage and I went to introduce myself to him and he was the Tate Zenza in charge of the others. And I said, oh, I'm Akane Arakawa. It's nice to meet you. And he said, I make the rules here. Stay in line and know your place. And for a brief second, I thought she was going to just fully adapt her Rakugo performance into like a telling of this story instead. Uh, But this is still just kind of like her setup. Yeah, this this is how you ease into the story. Hmm. Uh, and so, you know, she was like, yeah, you know, I, I, I was taken aback by it. Uh, but you know what? I'm, I'm born and raised in Tokyo. I don't let people push me around. So I was, oh, I'll get you Pompadour. Just you watch. And that's how my stint backstage began. Uh, and, uh, our journalist friend says, you know, I first saw her at the Crocker Cup two years ago and she was still in school and it's been, you know, a year and a half since then. It's kind of heartwarming. It's like, I get that. You followed this young person's career from when they were first getting started and now they're on this much grander stage. Yes. It's you've gone on a little journey with them. Uh, and Akane, you know, keeps on saying like, hey, you know, I was terrible at it, at, at all this Zenza stuff. And Asagao Anisan taught me everything. And then the journalist realizes like, what did I just say? Heartwarming? What? Of Akane Arakawa? Because he remembers like all these you know, fierce performances that she's put on, all this defiant attitude she's shown, all this impressive ability she has. Uh, but uh, Akane starts to go properly into her actual Rakugo performance. But first we cut backstage and Chocho is talking with Tizen, and uh, he says, you know, I'm sure you have your reasons, but this is a real battle of wills. You just gotta roll with it. And of course, that leads into Akane's story that she's been preparing for this, Tanuki Dice. And the story starts off with the Tanuki meeting this man that they feel a sense of obligation to. And the man says, like, how'd you get caught by a bunch of kids? And the Tanuki's like, oh, well, you see, you know, they were playing a game together. And I was watching and thinking how fun it looked. And one of them said, I gotta go now and left. I thought, oh, perfect chance. I'll just transform into that one and go play the game with them. So I jumped out of hiding and said, never mind. I'm back in. And I forgot to transform first. And <laughs> the freaking Tanuki jumps out like, yeah, I'm going to play with you in front of a bunch of kids. And uh, gets a big laugh uh, for her first joke. And then we get some of the behind the scenes, you know, Akane's inner workings, what she's been through for this moment. Uh, And her when she was doing karaoke with her friends to try and prepare for this, uh, the job hunting girl said, you know, 
you act too cool when you're doing Rakugo. And she's like, what? what? And Jimbo says, like, yeah, 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 I, I, get, I get what you mean. And they're like, yeah, yeah. You're like, I don't even know how to do anything wrong. And Akai's like, what the, what the guys? Fuck <laughs> you! <laughs> but the point that she's trying to make is, why don't you just, like, try being more natural? You're impatient. You're quick to fight. You're terrified of scary stuff. You're prone to motion sickness. You're not ashamed to act cute to get what you want. Although you always make it up to us. The thing about you, Akane, is that you're not cool. It's why we're friends with you. Aww. This, look, all the sibling stuff in Green Green Greens was really nice. This moment warmed my fucking heart so much when I read it. Uh, this was such a sweet and genuine sentiment. Like, look, super cool people are boring. And we like you for being a fuck up who, who has all your little eccentricities and stuff. It's it's very sweet. Uh-huh. Um, and Chocho thinks to himself, once you reach the level of Futatsume, it's all about making people want to listen to you. It's about taking the foundation of your art and seeing how much nin you can stack on top. Being able to sound the part is only the beginning. This is where it really starts, little lady. And uh, presumably this is the reason why he forbade her from using Edoko is uh, so that, you know, she would not just rely on her just, you know, basics and stuff and more of her natural energy would have to come out yes. to tap into that well. Yeah, um, so uh, Akane Minashi does a thing pretty frequently, especially when it's like Akane going up uh, where you get like the start of the story and then somebody who's watching the story for, like from behind the scenes will say, here's where things really matter or here's where things really start or some equivalent to that. And this isn't like an Akane Banashi exclusive thing. A lot of series just do this. Sports series do it all the time where it's like, yeah, he has the ball now, but now his opponent's right in front of him. This is where things actually matter. Um, so one of these chapters are fine, but they were never something I really consider as like a favorite of the week or anything like that. Cause I'm always just sitting there waiting for like the, all right, well, I just want to see the part then that actually matters. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I sit through this chapter and I'm like, Oh, I want to see where it really starts. Um, but I, I agree with you that the, the scene with Akane's friends is, is incredible. It's such a great little sweet, like legitimately touching gesture uh, between friends. Just be like, you have a lot of like qualities and none of them are cool. And that's why we like you. We don't like you because you take things super seriously. You're a fucking dork. You're way too aggressive. You're a scaredy cat. Like, all these things. They're why we like you. And I'm like, all right, cool. I, I dig that. It's very sweet. Yeah. It's good stuff. Yeah. And that is going to be the note that we end on this week, everybody. So uh, let's uh, go over what our favorites are. Quinn. Yeah. So my favorite series and chapter are pretty simple. It's the same series. Uh, it's going to be uh, Green Green Greens and then Haku from Green Green Greens. I love both of them. Uh, I see you can also give it to Oliver from Green Green Greens. I think that works as well. Uh, but I think Green Green Greens had a really, really good chapter that really endeared to me. Uh, also, stories about brothers are always just going to touch me. I had to pause 
pause for a moment to make sure I didn't tear up a little bit during the podcast, or mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh. Um, but great stuff. Uh, Nick, I think we just only need your chapter of the week, because we already know your character of the week is Lord Akiyo. No, no, no. Yeah, but I see it in no, the I no, see it in no. the uh, the Google Doc already. This is libel, uh, if that is the case. <laughs> uh, that is a falsehood. Uh, that is uh, putting words in my mouth. That oh, hold on. Spoke. Nick, could you put your hand in front of your mouth for a quick second? No, I will not. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll do it. Uh, I give, I do. <laughs> don't know if that makes any sense. Uh, <laughs> Just let me live my dream. This is why you're friends with me. This is like Akane. You like me because I'm no. an idiot. I, I, I don't like you when you commit slander against me. <laughs> All these big words you're throwing around. Libel, slander. Come on. I mean, how many times do I get to flex my business classes that I took one time? <laughs> I would say it's that are different, right? One's one's uh, writing and one's, one's down. yeah, yes. Well, one if one's writing, the other one's written down. That's the same one, right? Uh, the slander spoken, libel yeah, okay. written down. And if you pay attention to your Spider-Man, you would know that, too. I I vaguely recall uh, J. Jonah Jameson telling me with the difference between them at some point, but I've forgotten a lot of them. Yeah. Uh, My chapter of the week is Green, Green, Greens. I think it's a very well-constructed chapter. Uh, I'm going to give character of the week because I don't like to double up uh, to Risa. And if you don't know who Risa is, that is... Holy shit! Light-haired friend. Holy who, shit! Who gives this speech about Akane. We're like... like it's cool, the cool line here. We were like a step away from being like, Nick's favorite series is Green, Green, Greens. His character of the week is Akane's friend. That's right. <laughs> uh, she, gets that's, cool, she gets the best line this week, so I'm giving it to her. That is very, uh, very, very true. Uh, the audience, by the way, picked Akane Benashi as the series of the week and then Haku from Green and Greens as the character of the week. So there you go. All right. Oh, I love this. Ninja put as your pick Risa from Akane Benashi. But really, it's a Kiei. Nope. <laughs> nope. Nope. Not. Guys, I'm not. I'm not cool with this. Okay. I, I'm not. I'm not going to participate in this bullshit. Okay. Change Nick's, but change nope. mine to Haku, but Nick's pick is again. <laughs> and then at the end this of the year. This is a negotiation. <laughs> but the next year, like at the end of the year, when we're looking up the stats, we're going through. I'm like, why does I have one that says Haku, but Nick's pick is a key? What does that even mean? This is February. I'm never going to remember anything from this anyway. Oh, God. Guys, we are going to be back next week with more manga talk. Uh, it's uh, right here on twitch.tv slash uh, Past episodes are on weeklymongrecap.podbean.com, also on Spotify and on iTunes and other podcasty type places. Video versions can be found at youtube.com slash weeklymongrecap. The video versions have an animation uh, done by Milo Jack Stilitz and Wizardo Cheddar, uh, and it's uh, very cool. It's got music and stuff and, and everything. I don't know how to make music, so I just refer to it as music and stuff. Yeah. You know, so. uh, we also occasionally have title cards done by Steve Mann, whose artwork you can find all across the web just by searching for Steve Mann art. 
Uh, we would also like to thank uh, NinjaX3i for helping maintain the Google spreadsheet uh, that uh, has favorite series and stuff on it week to week. You can also go on there for Q&A sessions and, uh, and stuff. Contribute something for a future episode where we'll answer a question. Make your own recommendations for a series that we will cover in the future as well. And uh, Patreon. We have a Patreon. Patreon.com slash Weekly Manga Recap for bonus episodes monthly. Yeah, uh, we have a bunch of new ones that are up there. We're probably going to be recording one for February sometime soon. I know Ninja has been helping us uh, with putting together a tier list, so we'll probably do another tier list. Um, And I'm looking forward to it, and I think you guys will as well. This is going to be a tier list of uh, a hotly discussed uh, topic. I'll save it until we get a little bit closer to it. Also, I don't want to blindside Nick with it in case he hasn't heard. Um, So... Uh, stay tuned for that, but it should be coming up very soon. And uh, we have uh, two other ones that came out recently. And good stuff, guys. Yes. We we have good bonus episodes. Yeah. Not like those schlubs over at uh, monthly woodworking uh, talky radio time, uh, <laughs> which is an awful name. Uh, M-M-W-R-T-T. Uh, I hate those guys. <laughs> It's too many letters, first and foremost. Doesn't roll yeah, off. Terrible, terrible marketing. Uh, they yeah. are ranked ahead of us. In the yeah. Oh, they, they are crushing. <laughs> it's not even close. They're destroying us. They had Michelle Obama on a recent episode. <laughs> I'm like, fuck, she showed up on monthly woodworking radio talking time. Fuck. Uh, but maybe next month we'll be able to have Austin. <laughs> That's almost just as good. <laughs> Look, I think his opinion on what Oh no, this is too dark of a joke I was about to go down You're, you're bailing out <laughs> I was like, I was about to make a joke about drone strikes And I was like, maybe I should <laughs> abandon this Anyway, Austin uh, fucking rolls I'd love to talk to Austin a thousand times over Michelle Obama Yeah, okay, and on that note, goodbye everyone <laughs> Goodbye